or something I don't know I looked at his Instagram and he's shirtless for most of it again this is not a joke he'll be, he'll be really comforted to know that Brian that you're just looking I w- at I, I w- his like, Instagram I couldn't ha- I, I know but like I couldn't not like I was in I was scrolling through Instagram and like whoa he's shirtless and he's in Lanzarote and he's lifting weights oh so, well good for some I mean good, well for exactly well yeah. for some and uh, yeah so he'll be back next week uh, presumably more buff I would think why am I still talking about this? I don't oh know. Oh my god! So what are we talking about this week, Brian? Well, Deirdre, does this does this sound too contrived? I don't know. Are we trying too hard? No, to kind of like no, that. we're fine. We've got this. Yeah, we can totally host the show. Yeah, it's you fine. might sound a bit like that. I do, don't I? I mean, I've had like two coffees already, so I'm really peaky. No, um, I had I've, a caffeine supplement. I'm waiting for that to kick in. Maybe right. it just kicked in. Maybe like thirty minutes into the show, it'll just be like, oh my god, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk. Um, okay, yeah, so obviously we're going to talk about Infinity War. Big week, big week with big, Infinity big, War. Big, big, big week. Um, before we do that, though, let us talk about The Delinquent Season, which yes. is this uh, small Irish drama mm-hmm. um, written and directed by Mark O'Rourke. People will know he was the writer of Intermission. Mm-hmm. He wrote Boy A, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's known as a very kind of popular playwright as well. Yeah. He's done lots of plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Perrier's Bounty and stuff. Yeah, Perrier's yeah, Bounty yeah. as well. Yeah, works for Killian Murphy quite a bit. Um Okay, so this is clearly counter-programming to Infinity War. Yes. I mean, this is, you could not, Jesus, you couldn't get any more different if you tried. But in fairness, like, all the grown-ups are not going to go to Avengers Infinity War. Hey. I think that's for, you know, the kids and the the big kids like us. Well, yeah, I suppose. But, I yeah. mean, it is it is the kind of thing that, like, I think, you know, it, it, it strikes me as a little bit sad because... I think if this was released any other week, we'd be like, mm. wow, this is a really interesting drama. Yeah. And, you know, like, wow, there's really interesting performances yeah. here and da 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 but We can still talk about it in that we, context. We can, yeah. but more it's sort of like, wow, this isn't got a hope against Infinity War. I think that's kind of what I'm kind of driving at, if you get my yeah. meaning. Well, we're going to help by giving it a good sure, view. Which, sure, Which it deserves. Um, yeah, so the way I kind of think of it is, um, have you ever seen... Okay, I'm gonna. I I sometimes talk about like really old school <coughs> Hollywood films. No, really. Um, Brief Encounter. Are you familiar <laughs> with it? Okay, it's a really really famous British movie in which there are two married people and they kind of consider having an affair with one another. Um, they're both like really really desperately in love with one another, but they come from like these good families yeah. and these good partners and everything so all through the film they're kind of contemplating whether or not they should have an affair similar setup in this except it's set in um, contemporary Dublin two kind of suburban nice mm. couples I suppose mm. you could describe them as you know kind of wealthy and you know very you know settled and they have like kids and everything but basically the character played by Killian Murphy ends up having an affair with um, Yvonne Murphy? Yeah, yeah 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 her character and it follows both 
the build up to that affair and then the consequences afterwards. Isn't it interesting? Okay, now here's the... And, oh, Eva Berthissel and Andrew Scott then played their respective, like, married halves. Yes. And then you have a sort of of subplot with Andrew Scott's character, which... Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to give away because it's, yeah, it's kind, kind of, of spoiler territory. It is, do, isn't but it? But there's something going on there. Yeah, there's something going yeah. on there that kind of provides a different kind of context for their affair, mm-hmm. particularly Killian Murphy's approach to that affair. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I was kind of coming into this thinking, okay, well, like, you know, if they're putting it out, again, I keep talking about Vinny but just because <laughs> when they put it up next to you... He literally thinking, put out. Yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Um, Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting to see like an Irish drama of this ilk Mm. that is very sexual, like very much kind of... I feel like we haven't really seen anything since like maybe the 2000s or the late 90s when you had like the trouble with sex or goldfish memory and that kind of stuff. You don't really get these kind of... Um, Irish movies made these days no. so I thought that was kind of interesting it's gone much more into like genre filmmaking whereas I thought that this was kind of almost a return to just like Kitchen drama yeah, and yeah. writing yeah. and stuff like that but um, I thought it was really well written you really kind of believe in these characters they are very human you know they have their flaws but they have kind of their likable aspects as well and you really believe in kind of the dialogue anyone who's ever been in a relationship oh, will recognise the dialogue and sometimes the like just little kind of nicks they take at each other the past of aggression and stuff it was it was a bit close to home it for was, me wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I was watching it was like Jesus I've had that conversation <laughs> before and that's it like I mean I think that's what's kind of really what I liked about this was how authentic mm-hmm. it was and how kind of lived in it felt yeah but at the same time, I did have a bit of a problem with how the kind of affair starts. I mean, mm. it kind of just almost kind of just happens almost yeah. on like they're kind of like sitting around having coffee and she's almost like, so hey, you want to go up to bed? Like, I mean, now look, obviously, you know, it has to have some sort of uh, layering to it. Yeah. And it just, to me, felt like it was a bit of a cop out. But maybe that's just the way they kind of wanted it to be. And the fact that, you know, Killy Murphy and and uh, Killy Murphy and the relationship that develops between him and, and and the wife is sort of like oh well we're just kind of doing this and we just yeah. kind of fell into it and we're just kind of having a good time and we don't really care what anyone else thinks yeah. and that's usually what happens with a lot of affairs yeah. is that it's just complete self gratification mm-hmm. you know um, at the same time I was kind of like this would make a brilliant play mm-hmm. and Marco Rowe is known for being a playwright mm-hmm. and there's nothing terribly cinematic about this now I'm not saying you know, you have to have like, you know, beautiful cinematography and you has to look incredible and there's got to look amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have dramas that do look a bit dingy and do look a bit shit and mm-hmm. do look a bit kind of uh, down to earth. But at the same time, I was watching this and I was like, yeah, I, I, I get it. But I feel like if this was a play, I would connect more readily with it, I think. You know, that sort of way. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Maybe you wanted there to be a bit more kind of in intimacy yeah with the intimacy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um i mean i still thought that it worked and everything you know i thought that it like moved at a good pace i think it only comes in at about an hour and a half yeah. and it just it just felt right for that kind of running length and everything you know um i thought it was really well acted by the the four actors in question yeah. were all really really good in it um the dialogue could be a little cringy, clunky yeah but the john updike that john yeah. updike line just fucking killed me but like honest. i like i said i still thought it was really kind of authentic and and just a really good reflection of kind of where we are in terms of i know it's such a like cringe and over said thing at this point about like we're in a really good period of irish cinema but i but genuinely is, think yeah. that this year in irish cinema has been really really great yeah. you know i know that we had 
you know, the cured last week, which I felt was like maybe not all it could have been. But, but reaching. Really reaching, yeah. And then there was Michael inside. We're going to have the breadwinner later this year. So um, all good stuff. And I do think that the delinquent season is hopefully going to find an audience with, you know, more mature viewers. I think and you, deservedly so. I think you were throwing a little bit of shade at people who are going to see Infinity War. No, like, no. <laughs> I'm no, kidding. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. saying it's like, look, the you're not gonna, <laughs> not everyone is gonna go to Avengers. Know, you're always gonna have your cynics who are like, oh, just another superhero movie. Well, here is the movie for the people yeah. who don't want to just see another superhero movie. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Um, out of, I mean, I mean, if you're, I mean, Gavin Burke wrote the review yeah. that's up on site. If you were, if you were to write the review, what would you have given it? I probably would have given it something similar. He gave it four out of five. Yeah. I think I'd give it that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would have given it three. Three, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd knock the two off because I felt like some of the dialogue was as as authentic as it was. There were some lines in it that were just way too writerly. Mm. And I was just like, ah. And the other one, I'd be kind of like, it just felt... I get it's just the thing of like I was like watching this I was like why is this a film this could have been mm. a play or this could have been a TV series or it could have been something it could have been a TV series actually that could have been an yeah. interesting thing to even like a kind of five parter TV yeah. series that could have been drawn out to yeah. yeah well there you go Marco Rowe you could make it into that in the future I suppose we need sure we need more stuff for Irish ah, TV yeah, anyway gotcha. so why yeah. not totally okay let's get to Infinity War the one they've all been waiting for um, I think we're going to have to decide now are right. we going to do a spoiler free review or like a spoiler full review or like you know a bit of both I, I, don't I think know. we're going to have to it's really hard to know because there are some people who just are crazy like yeah. they, they wouldn't even listen to something like this because they're so afraid of spoilers and yeah. then you'll get like people like I was talking to someone when I got in from the movie last night who yeah. was just like I'm just going to look up everyone who dies and what happens and stuff I don't know people enjoy that well like but I mean I suppose some people yeah I mean I suppose some people are just kind of like I want to know everything that's going on yeah. here before I get in so I'm not emotionally invested or something yeah, I don't yeah. know Um, well like I mean okay right let's start with that then I suppose the kind of thing of it is very much the film where you know there's going to be a body count mm. and you know that it is going to have it, not everyone is going to make it out alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a kind of central problem with Avengers. The entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, in fact, yep. that, you know, you're watching is like, well, I know Robert Downey Jr. is going to survive at the end of this because mm-hmm. he's signed on for three more films. So yeah. I clearly... Like you might lose some of the supports along the way. I think yeah. for me, the saddest death there's been so far was um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with, um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the character now, the blue alien oh, Yandu. guy. I was so yeah. sad when he died. He was awesome. Yeah, he was really, really good. he was good. great in both those movies. Yeah, yeah. That was I, sad. Yeah, it was sad. That was sad. And that's, and again, that's it. Because with Yondu, that character, there was a lot of like layering with it. You know, mm-hmm. that's, okay, fine. It was only two movies, but he was a central character in both of those yes. movies. And as you're right, you know, even if they kind of kill off supporting characters in the previous films it doesn't really kind of have any have any resonance because yeah. you're kind of there for Chris Evans and you're there for Robert Downey Jr and you're there for Chris Pat and mm-hmm. you're there for Scarlett Hansen so um let's kind of are, are we going to do spoilers no i think well we'll, we'll, we'll hold well, on what do you think, let's, do you think? no let's how about we start with no spoilers yeah and then if we decide we need to talk, get into spoiler territory we will signal it very clearly yes. and we'll give an allotted time for it so anyone listening will be able to skip forward sure. this is how organized i am i have my notes in front of me and oh, everything wow. okay well it's actually fair. yeah we'll do actually here's what we'll do i will now create a spoiler klaxon that i'm going to blast right now 
Spoiler! Spoiler! And then you'll know then, when you hear that, that means we're gonna, it's going to be a spoiler. And we're going to use that for all of the shows. Okay. All right, so let's talk about how... Are we going to use that when you accidentally give a spoiler <laughs> unintentionally? Thanks, D. Cheers. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like, I think, yeah, so the problem with uh, Avengers Infinity War is that just you're Just starting with the problems. Well, no, I mean, just kind of let's, d- d- let's dance around okay. the spoilers. Okay. Right. Um, one of the problems I had with Avengers Infinity War was the fact that I was going into it mm. and I was like, one of you is going to die. You're not, like, automatically you're kind of thinking, okay, who's going to make it out? Who's going to make mm. it out? And that kind of, for me, kind of, I don't want to say negated my enjoyment of it, but I was definitely aware of it. Mm. Was that the same for you? Um, not necessarily. No, I wouldn't say that that took away from my enjoyment. I felt that what it did was it pushed the film up in terms of stakes. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with Avengers 4. I felt like the stakes for this were so high. There were so many moments where I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to lose him or her? Yeah. You know, in that kind of specific moment. So I thought that it was kind of really, I actually thought that that added to my enjoyment in that, like, I was really kind of excited and thrilled to see this. Like, also horrified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the supporting cast in this, um, mm-hmm. Tom Von Lawler, I thought was brilliant as Ebony Maw. Yeah. I thought he really did an interesting job with it. He's I mean, great, yeah, yeah. Um, Carrie Coons as well, who played Proxima Midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, people will know her from Fargo season three and she was mm-hmm. in The Leftovers as well. Like they had really, like really P- interesting I think show. Peter Dinklage as well was yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. Peter Dinklage was new as well. And he who plays, plays a giant. <laughs> who plays a giant. And like, it's funny, they don't, they there's some shots where it's like, come on guys. Like, I clearly like, know that he, it, like that you've made like this uh, what do you call it like forced perspective yeah. set and you're putting him in it and the tilted up camera angle and all that I was like come on guys but it was good though I mean it, he was good in it like, he, he was, was he was great yeah. and that's another part of it as well that I really liked was uh, how funny it was yeah this film was hilarious mm-hmm. and at the same time terrifying yes um, and that kind of balance and tone is difficult to pull off but I think they got it yeah for me like the thing that I kind of was the most satisfied with, the happiest that I was with it, was in terms of action and pacing. Because for me, going to superhero movies, it is all about like kind of the big set pieces and everything. And I say that kind of unashamedly. I know there's also like the drama and the actors and uh, sorry, the characters and the emotion as well. That does factor into it as well. And that is interwoven really well into this movie. But I just want to see action. And what was great about this movie, two hours, 40 minutes is a long running length of time. But the action is just non-stop. It is so vastly paced. And I didn't look at my phone for the time once through the whole movie. It was just from the get-go, from scene one, it was just non-stop. Go, 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 go. Which I, And I thought the Russo brothers did great to get through so much content and for it to never kind of, in terms Lag. of pacing, it never lagged. I don't think there was one moment in it that I could point out and say, oh, this is where it faltered a bit. Like, for example, how I'd compare it to would be Black Panther. Great movie as well. But for me, the start of the third act, pacing kind of slowed down mm. a bit for me. In this film, there was no moment like that. It, uh, right, yeah, you are right in that, and that it kept just going and going and mm-hmm. going. But to me, and again, this is just me just trying to pick out faults with it and stuff. But I thought there was an element of like, 
okay, you need to take a breather here because this has just become a noise at this stage. You know, that kind of way. It's just bang, 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 bang. Big explosion, big explosion. Bang, bang, bang. But that's what they came for, I Brian. know, you see, that's it. No, no, I get that. You see, that's it. Like, obviously, you, when you're coming into this, you're like, of course, it's it's there in the title, War, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It is going to be non-stop. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, okay, come on. Like, just give me, a, give me five minutes here just to kind of let me have a breather and just kind of like see where everyone is. You know, that kind of way. I think that part yeah. of it was sort of like... But you say see where everyone is, but there's never kind of disorientation. No, 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 either, I no, no, yeah, no, know? no. I don't mean like that. I mean yeah. in the sense of like, you know, we don't get any kind of further character development. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? Like, no, but I mean that's what all the <clears throat> previous films were there for. Yeah. Although one character development, and I don't think this is no, this isn't a spoiler or anything. I was really interested to see that um, Thanos ended up yeah. being an actual character in this he wasn't yeah. just a kind of maniacal kind of laughing yeah. villain who wants to take over the world he yeah. has like actual three-dimensionality and like motion going on and stuff and i was really pleasantly surprised by that that is it that's a very good point because like you look at somebody like what heat ledger did in the dark knight mm-hmm. he wasn't i mean as great a knowledge he was in it yeah. He wasn't a three-dimensional character, I don't think. He was sort yeah. of like Jaws. He was just like the shark that comes through the film. Like, he yeah. turns up, fucks shit up, and then leaves. Yeah. And then you kind of you don't really know what he's about, and that kind of works for him. With this, though, with Thanos, I mean, Josh Brolin, it's a tough, it is a tough, tough thing mm-hmm. to kind of emote through CGI and motion yes. capture. And very often, it can be lost in it. You know, that sort of way, you kind mm-hmm. of get lost in the Uncanny Valley, and it doesn't really look like you can see a person coming out of it. Yeah. With this... Not the case at all. And I'm not saying that in terms of special effects. I think it's in case of Josh Brolin's performance. He really did kind of leap out of the screen. Um, and it wasn't... You're absolutely right. I was mm-hmm. not expecting it at all. Yeah. I think there was something in him that was very... On the one hand, terrifying. And then on the one hand... On the other hand, rather... Um, uh, sad. Yeah. Really sad. And yeah. really despairing. And yeah. really kind of like... God, I not that I feel sorry for him, but just he's such a warped, damaged person. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, he, slash alien thing. Yeah, whatever slash, he is. <laughs> yeah, slash alien titan, whatever. Um, and the dynamic as well that that occurs between him and Gamora, mm. uh, Zoe Zaldana's character, mm. that was really well done. Yeah, like yeah. you know the idea of like having a parent who's a terrible person. Mm. And your relationship. And we kind of saw that, and I thought that was really good as a continuation from the Guardians yeah. movies as well, because we we saw at the start of that at the on the first Guardians movie, and even in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, you see the two um, herself and her sister talking about being raised by Thanos. So I thought that this worked really well as a continuation of the Guardians movies. Really liked how much screen time the Guardians got yeah. as well, actually. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, in fact, I'm glad that they actually got as much time as they did because, because in the trailer they're in like one shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just kind of like, oh, we're kind of here, but we're not kind of thing. No, yeah. in the film, they are very much a central part of it. I think that was necessary because, number one, it kind of balances out the yeah. weirdness of having a giant purple man yes. arrive in New York. <laughs> and also as well, they provided a lot of the comedy. Mm. But I think as well as the comedy, they also provided the emotional connection to Thanos because yeah. they're the only ones with an actual like kind of familial for one yeah, yeah, yeah. like connection there you know what I mean so the stakes were especially high for them obviously like you know you see again we're not we're not getting no, any spoilers no, no, no spoilers no. here but obviously like Tony Stark and everything talks about how you know um, Thanos like has attacked the city before and yeah. stuff like this but I mean again there's that distanciation there mm. you know so 
Yeah, really, really compelling stuff. What did you think about the balance between all the characters? Because I think that's something that people have been really concerned about because there are so, so many characters here. And that's kind of, and again, this is the other one, like, this is where the kind of my one star went missing from it was because I felt that because it was so concerned with balance, because it was so concerned with darting through every single character Mm. and giving them all equal screen time. In a way, it kind of knocked the pacing, not so much the pacing, but just there was parts where it was like, okay, I don't care what they're doing. I want to keep on this, you know, mm. that's sort of, I want to know what they're doing. Yeah, Why you kind of want to dwell on a moment or yeah. a character. Yeah, yeah but like I he's so concerned mean. with like, no, 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 we've got to get on to the next thing. We've got to get on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And again, like, I understand, like, you're dealing with something like 28, 29 characters mm. who've all had their own sing- their own films and who all have their own arcs. Yes. And it can feel very much like, oh, God, like, I don't care what they're doing. Can mm-hmm. you not just move this on? But like, no, we've got to because this is important for this and this is important for that. Um, so, yeah, so that part of it kind of irked me a little bit. But yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying that that's me trying to find a fault with, yeah. you know. I mean, in fairness, I do agree with you in that that's the approach the film decided to take but I still enjoyed the aspect of it the fact that it was just focused on the action and the actual war and that's just kind of the approach they decided to take to it I suppose maybe from a fan perspective because you know you're a resident geek and everything Brian (laughs) but maybe no I understand that why you might be a bit like oh I would have liked to kind of see this character say more or do more you know as a reflection of what we've seen in them before but I also think that they just through what the Russo brothers did was they decided this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this is the path we're going to take yeah. with this monumental project yeah. and that they did it and it worked. Yeah, very much. I mean, that's it. It worked like it really did work. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, okay. Now I am going to sound the spoiler klaxon. Spoiler. Spoiler. And now we're going to talk about the ending. Okay. So let's dedicate maybe... Three to four minutes for this? Three, okay, let's okay. put... Let's I'm timing put, it, I'm Let's timing put it. three minutes on the clock. Um, skip forward three minutes from right now <laughs> if you don't want to hear spoilers. And I'll actually sound the spoiler klaxon again okay. at the end. So we've done... So, so it's like our closer. Yeah, the closer. Okay. okay. Let's talk about the ending. Um, oh my gosh, so much happened in the last ten minutes. Shit. It went crazy. It All the went shit went down. Nuts. Yes. And it was very much... Like, I was watching this, was like, how in the name of Jesus... Are they going to f- top this? Yeah. I mean, it's really the kind of thing of... On the one hand, it was like, okay, you can't kill all these people. Mm-hmm. You can't kill everyone because you just can't. But and they did it. And they just did. They, they just, just like, fucking did it. It was really funny because it was in the last 10 minutes as well. So you're like, oh, well, that's nice. Everyone got out. Nope. 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 They did not. It was pretty much like, it was kind of Harry Potter-esque in just J.K. Rowling's like, you're gone. You're yeah, gone. Out you go. Yep. Out you go. Gone. Out you go. Gone. Now, here is... Again, this is a problem. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to find faults with this. Um, there was a part of this that I was kind of like, well, you're definitely not going to fucking kill Black Panther because there's a Black Panther thing on the way, and I know that. And you're definitely Spider Man. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to kill. Yeah. You're not going to kill Spider Man either because I know there's going to be another one. Now, the resonance of this is, is that like they're killing off all these characters, and like, mm. holy shit! But you know that he's got the time stone thing, so he can bring people back. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so there's an element of this where it's kind of like you're building it up and you've created this incredible ending yeah 
but you're going to totally piss all over it in the next film. Isn't that what they kind of did with Superman, though, if you think about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, personally, it worked, and I'm just keeping an eye on the timer sure. there. We have a minute and a half. Um, for me, personally, it worked. It was very, very emotional, yes. and it really kind of got to me because we have developed this relationship with yes. the characters. Over this particular film and over all the films before, for me, I thought that it, it kind of brought it to another level. It was a superhero movie before. This brought it to beyond superhero movie level I thought it was an incredible ending yeah I like I mean it's like Empire Strikes Back kind of thing like where yeah. it's just it ends in a cliffhanger like holy shit how oh my gosh that? I'm so excited for the next one I know and yeah, now this... we have to wait till after feckin Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah. although in fairness maybe we need a breather I think this is it I think we need a kind of palate cleanser we need something where it's low stakes and yeah. it's just you know Paul Rudd having a good time da 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 um, and it's also interesting as well that they haven't announced any of the new films Mm, they're keeping yes. it they're keeping just it just Avengers 4 and Ant-Man and the Wasp are the only official ones yeah official official, official so official, it's yeah. scary stuff yeah, yeah yeah is this the end is this the end okay spoiler alarm on spoiler spoiler okay right so there we, we go we did really well under three minutes actually. under three minutes good so Okay. There you go. We did pretty okay. good there. We did pretty. Yeah. We don't need Mike. We don't need him at all. <laughs> um, okay, I think we're good with Avengers: Infinity War. Any final thoughts? Uh final thoughts. Just it's awesome and it's well worth checking out. Um, yeah, and like heart in your throat finale. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Okay, we've said enough about Avengers: Infinity War. Yes. D hit me three times with the news. Okay, so what will we start with? I have trailer news, I have um, upcoming movie news, and Han Solo news. What do you want to start with? Hit me with the Han Solo news. Let's go with our Han Solo news. Um, so we've been talking for like a while now on different things about how we're kind of worried about oh, this Han I'm Solo so worried. Although the last trailer made it look okay, yeah. so hopefully... And trailers don't mean everything, they don't. Sure. Um, anyway, so it would seem that Lucasfilm are taking a leaf out of... Um, the Marvel Studios book in that they're trying to lock down talent for multiple films. Um, Alden Ehrenreich. I hope I've said that right. Ehrenreich. Oh, Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich, yeah. E-H-R-E-N-R-E-I-C-H. Ehrenreich. Alden then. We're on Whatever. a first name basis. Yeah. yeah. He has let slip that he signed on for three more films as Solo. Um, and I mean, you were the one who reported this on site and everything, Brian. Um, as you pointed out, this doesn't mean necessarily three more Solo movie projects. So we know about there's the Star Wars kind of main episodes, episode yeah. eight and nine and all yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then they're also doing these Star Wars stories now. We saw Rogue One. Obviously, yeah. Han Solo is the next one. Um, they're looking into a Boba Fett Bounty Hunter yeah. one. They've kind of been there's kind of been talk and rumblings of an Obi Wan Kenobi one. So it, it if he is appearing in all of these, it could just be a cameo thing. Yeah. It could be in a supporting role thing. It could be in a lead role thing. Um, but it looks like really the main factor in this that's actually going to make it properly happen. And you know him not just saying it in the hope that they'll make that contract yeah, yeah, come yeah. true is how well Solo does. Yeah, and this is it. I mean, it's. I, you know, Rogue One had problems with reshoots as well. And remember, they had to bring in Tony Gilroy to finish mm. it off and stuff like this. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm so kind of curious to see this film. And like, mm. I look, I freely admit it. Yes, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, so I want to see it on that aspect. But another aspect of it is, is that I'm a movie journalist. 
And I want to know, like, how, like, what did they pull out of this? You know, that kind of way. Like, they sacked the directors halfway through the production yeah. and brought in Ron Howard. You have no idea how much yeah. should footage was reshot because exactly. they're being so, like, vague about it on purpose. It could be as much as 50%. I it could be as little as more. 20%. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't you genuinely know. genuinely wouldn't know. And this is it. Like, when I'm watching this, I'm going to be like, oh, I bet you that was Ron Howard's scene. <laughs> oh, I bet you that was a Phil Lord scene. Uh, so, yeah, I... You know, he's a really good actor. I loved him in Hail Caesar, uh, mm. Alden Ehrenreich. Um, I think he's got a big career ahead of him. Yeah. Um, Although we did have to get a, a special um, actor training in for him for yeah. this role because he wasn't basically Harrison Ford-esque enough. I, but I, that's like Harrison Ford is a very kind of unique person. I know. He just kind of plays himself as Han Solo, yeah, doesn't he really? That's it. Like, so. like, it's just like, put a fucking waistcoat on him and give him a gun and it's yeah. like, oh, now he's Han Solo. But like, we have had, you know, actors in the past kind of impersonating actors. Like, I'm thinking of a really good one here was, I th- thought um, in Looper, Joseph Gordon-Levitt being Bruce Willis. Yeah. He did a fantastic job. Now, I know he had the makeup and stuff sure. to help him, but he got just the little kind of quirks, the, the little... Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that I actually would say that the ticks are almost more important than the delivery of dialogue in yeah. some cases now, but they really do make the character. I know? always thought uh, Matt Damon in the True Grit remake I thought oh, okay. he, yeah, I always thought he was just copying Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Every time I watch the film, it's like, all I see is like young Tommy Lee Jones just running around with the mustache. He sounds exactly mm. like him. Or speaking of, um, Josh Brolin. Oh, yeah. As young Tommy Lee Jones in again, Men in Black 3. And he again, was brilliant Yeah, he that. was brilliant in that. Like, he got the delivery, that kind of really kind of clip, like, how do you know my name? Like, he's <laughs> so good in it. Like, yeah. Actually, yeah, Josh Brolin and fucking, see, it's all, it's yeah. all working. It all it's comes all work. together. It all comes together. What else you got? So let's look at um, the news for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that that was the official title. But this is the official title for Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie, which he is doing with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. So this is the one that there have been a lot of kind of rumblings about, especially, you know, Quentin Tarantino obviously got himself in a bit of trouble, you know, when that Polanski (sighs) old interview resurfaced. It was just like a mess. I mean, I don't I don't even know. Um, Anyway. Not getting into that right now, but um, himself, um, Tarantino and Leonardo DiCaprio recently appeared at the Sony Pictures CinemaCon presentation earlier this week and they were talking about the movie. Tarantino said that DiCaprio and Pitt will be, quote, the most exciting dynamic star duo since Paul Newman and Robert Redford, end quote. That would be really cool. And I think that they would look really cool together on screen. Like they're both incredibly talented actors, you know. That's interesting, the kind of the Newman-Redford thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, yeah. Could it God. also possibly be a nod to the epoch because they are setting this in um, 1969. So what Tarantino has said is basically that the Manson murders aren't going to be like the main plot, but that mm. this is kind of taking like a Pulp Fiction-esque style and that it's, it's loads of stories sever- interwoven. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the main kind of look at it is actually going to be on the intricacies of the movie business and I think that DiCaprio is playing like a movie producer and everything isn't that if it? I remember right what it was was that um, DiCaprio was this failing actor who was oh, on maybe a TV show yeah, and yeah. Brad Pitt was the stunt double Ah, okay. I think that's what it was um I'm yeah. I mean, like I think Tarantino said this himself. He was saying that, like you know, Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. These were kind of movies within movies, is mm. how he described it. As in, like you know, characters in Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, they'd go to see movies like Django Unchained, like Kill Bill. Yeah. So this is him kind of taking a step back and making it a bit more. I don't want to say set in the real world, but mm-hmm. like kind of more 
in touch with reality than yeah. like something like Kill Bill was. Do you yeah. know that kind of way? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see this. Um, I'm also really excited to see if he does actually end it on 10, the way that he's been planning for mm. years. Yeah. Um, if his 10 film turns out to be Star Trek... If that does happen, if that does, or is he going to consider that as more of a side project? Because <clears throat> didn't he have he had the one oh what you call it, and it was kind of that double bill, and he didn't really consider that as like oh one four of his, rooms. No, I don't think it was that. I oh, think Grindhouse. Was, yes. Yeah, yeah. But he De- doesn't consider that as kind of his main one. So mm. could the Star Trek one also be considered a kind of Maybe. side one? Maybe. You no. Know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm this one. I'm really looking forward to just yeah. primarily because. I think, you know, when he puts his mind to it yeah. and he kind of gets out of his own way and gets mm. out of his own arse, he can be really, he can make some really interesting films. Yeah, like Jackie Brown, like, like Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction, I think, are his two best films. See, I love um, Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. I love the two Kill Bill yeah, films. I do too. Yeah. I do too. But I think, like, when he's more, when he's restrained, mm-hmm. I think, he is better, I think. When he doesn't indulge every single... Uh, uh, artistic kind of yeah. v- v- idea that comes to him or yeah. like you know he has to put in a reference to this or he has mm. to do that you know okay, when he's more sort of refined and restricted and just kind of like making a straight simple story mm-hmm. with lower stakes I think that's kind of better than you know setting an entire cinema on fire or like having these yeah. big over the top massive action set pieces where yeah. it's Uma Thurman killing yeah. 88 people yeah well that's just it and I mean DiCaprio as well in fairness he's been pra- he also praised Tarantino at this event saying that it's one of the most ex- amazing screenplays um, Tarantino has Ooh. ever written so in fairness I think Tarantino is a great writer yeah I think he knows how to write a really um, compelling screenplay so again the focus has to be on the writing and yeah. you know really making sure that you know pen to paper is right before kind of going out and shooting it and making it like this big massive yeah, crazy yeah, yeah, thing yeah. Um, so yeah cool okay what else you got very last thing Venom trailer oh yeah which I think we're all very excited about so here is a quick clip if you're gonna stay you will only hurt bad people the way I see it we can do whatever we want do we have a deal willing to sacrifice the one thing you hold most dear you should be extremely afraid what the hell are you we are venom yeah i think this is the first trailer that we've seen special effects for because yeah. if I recall correctly there was a previous Venom trailer but you didn't actually see any of the CGI you yeah. didn't actually see him as the character yeah. Venom mm. um, and I thought I think this looks great I think it looks really intense I think that Tom Hardy is absolutely capable of pulling off a can you call it a superhero movie anti-hero, anti-hero movie let's not get into Suicide yeah. Squad territory and call him a villain when he's not actually a villain um, great cast is supporting cast as well Riz Ahmed is going to be playing the baddie Michelle Williams romantic interest Ho- hopefully they actually give her something to do as opposed to Rachel McAdams in Doctor Strange yep. who's just kind of there standing saying medical terms yeah. while Benedict Cumberbatch got all the attention yeah. Wow, Women you really in. have a problem with Doctor Strange. I really don't like it that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I get that. Yeah, but, I get um, that. Yeah, 
looking forward to this also. Yeah, I think the um, I think the fact that Venom looks like Venom and not like how he looked in. I remember Spider Man Three. I think he looked kind of a bit stupid, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think it's. I I mean Tom Hardy. I think he's pretty. Um, he doesn't necessarily sign on for just about anything, you know that kind of way. So That's just that? it. He does make really smart career yeah. choices. You yeah, know? yeah. So I think if he's signed on for something like this, I think he obviously cares enough about it to put his name to it and to actually turn up for it. Like, because remember, he was going to be in Suicide Squad, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Nah, screw this," and left. So yeah, I think that should be interesting. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. could be cool. I, yeah. I, I, I really don't know what to make of it, but yeah, could be, the trailer was good. Yeah, the trailer was interesting. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting idea. That whole, it's just something we haven't really. Well, we kind of have seen it to an extent, but maybe not to this extent. The whole idea of there being like this extremely powerful being in you that you kind of want to like harness, but that you can't, mm. that you know has the potential for good, but also evil. Well, I suppose maybe you could argue that that's Jekyll kind of... Jekyll and Hyde. and you could argue that that's kind of, you know, intrinsically the battle for all superheroes, sure, you yeah, know, yeah, if you yeah, want yeah. to extend it that far. But um, no, no, I, I, I hope... I think it'll be good. I hope it'll be good. I kind of feel the same as you, I suppose. I'm kind of like... It, I'm, you know, cautious optimism. That's yes. what I would say. It's cautious optimism. Yes. Okay, that it? Yes, got everything? that's it for Movie News. Cool. Okay, right, so we are now going to play out our interviews with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and the Russo brothers. Uh, these are both up on YouTube if you want to see my horrible, tired face trying to talk to these people. Um, ah, stop. You were grand. Uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> Too harsh so on yourself. We are going to play Benedict Cumberbatch first, and then you're going to hear Russo brothers uh, straight after. So, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> I suppose the first question I wanted to ask you was about uh, the actual character itself and the fact that, you know, in Doctor Strange you had very much a clear trajectory as in yeah. injured and da-da-da. Um, with this, I mean, what's it like? What is the what's tra- trajectory? As in, what's the trajectory like? I mean, is he now, now that he is Doctor Strange? I think Strange, like a lot of these films, there's less character evolution than there is plot evolution. I think there's lots of stuff that he's involved with but that you don't necessarily learn more about who he is. Uh, than you did in the origin film. There's not really space sure, for that yeah. when you're playing, you know, a tiny piece of a very large mosaic. So, I, well, he, you know, he's evolved to the sense that he's um, he does some crazy shit that will probably have to be retro-engineered as to how the hell he learned to do it. Yeah. And there's also definitely the whiff of the adult in the room rather than the petulant adolescent ego yeah, test of the first yeah. film, I guess. Um, do you find working with an ensemble cast like this? I mean, is that inhibitive? Is that sort of like you can, I can yeah. fall into the background kind of thing and just yeah, become the character? Yeah, of course, absolutely. And also just that thing of you know, you're working with people who are very well versed with their characters, who you know know them incredibly well. And I'm still finding my feet. And like I say, even though he's not necessarily, it's not about him evolving. This sure, film is yeah. not what the story is. You sort of want to hold your own for the sake of how well received the first film was and yeah at the same time you know I'm quite happy to serve a story and that's kind of what I do in this um, but it's a hell of a thing he has to offer I mean he does well on the Infinity Stones around his neck so he's, he's pretty heavily involved in the action um, but the daunting thing is just working with people who's well the characters that as a fan you've enjoyed watching and then also the people playing them whose work in these um, films and others you've admired for years that's always a bit of a fanboy sure, yeah. gulp moment and then you know you get on with the day's work don't you problem solving and trying to have a good time whilst doing it so yeah. then you become colleagues 
Did you have any scenes with Martin Freeman? Because we've, we've only seen like 25 minutes. Not that I'm aware of, but then I did scenes with people who weren't necessarily there, so maybe, who knows. <laughs> have you had a chat with him? Like, I mean, just the two of you together, kind of... About this? Just about, like, yeah, I suppose No, this. no. Really? I don't even know if he's in this, to be honest, no. I mean, I watched, you know, I've sort of seen him in Black Panther, but um, I didn't even know that he was in this, so... Oh, really? Okay. I, I don't know if he's in it either, that's what I'm saying. I haven't, we've only seen, like, well, 25 minutes. I've nothing away. <laughs> I, gen good. I genuinely don't know. Do you think, I mean, do you foresee this character has a life beyond this, beyond kind of phase we'll see. three or four? We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, you know, he might, he, whatever phase this is the beginning or end of, we might have to just see whether he makes it. It says, you know, he'll be back. Well, he's been back in Thor Ragnarok and he's back in this. We know that that's not a plot spoiler. He's in the poster and the one behind me. So, and the trailer even. But um, whether he makes it out alive. Who knows? Who knows? With regards to, I mean, again, I know this is the, yeah, the character was already established. I mean, yeah. did the Russos give you any kind of, I, don't, I suppose, guidance in terms of performance? I mean, did they kind of yeah, say no, he's great. very much like this character? I think, well, yeah, the line that he was the adult in the room was, was something we, we all sort of talked about early on because, as you've seen from the clip that they showed, oh, you've seen the clip, haven't yeah, you? Have yeah, I have. So he's in the room with Iron Man and he's trying to pull him together and focus him on this pretty um, sobering threat that's imminent and uh, yeah it, it was apparent that if it was just name calling name calling name calling name calling if it was just that all the time it would sort of die a death that sure. one of them had to just go Whoop, you know I can really take your name calling yeah you fifth grader <laughs> idiot uh, and <laughs> and go back to the job at hand and so that was really what my role was mm. Can I ask what it was like working with Tom von Lauder? Because obviously we have the Irish connection there. I love Tom, and I work well. I didn't work with him, but he's worked with a very dear friend of mine, Chris White. I saw him as well in um, uh, the birthday party. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's no. brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant production, and he's truly menacing in it. Um, so yeah, it was great. It was yeah. great. That's really great. Good. He's a good man. Did you ever see Great any acting. of the, his Irish, the Irish dramas that he did? Like he's been very, like he's quite prolific on the Irish scene, like in theatre and what have you. I probably have. Yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of his work, but I can't think of any offhand. But I've seen, yeah, like I said, I've seen the Birthday Party, which is, very I think, it might be off now. But that's him and Toby Jones and um, who else is in it? Um, Zoe Wanamaker. Yeah, it's a really good cast. And and and. Um, I won't hold you to it. Well, what drama should I watch of his that you, you love? Read? Hate. Love um, hate. Love hate. Okay. It was where he played this kind of a criminal gang leader in Dublin, and again, very, very menacing. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he did this film. He's called such a sweet man, but he that's it. He, he, he can turn the terror so well. on. Yeah. Know. It was like Andrew, your other fellow. Irishman. Yeah, Andrew Scott. Yeah, pretty fierce and when he wants to be. He did this uh, prison thriller uh, maze with the the HBO oh, Prides. Yeah, and again, very menacing in that. But you meet him in it, and he's. So what was the first one you mentioned? Uh, love, love hate. Love hate. Okay, love hate. That. It was a huge hit in Ireland. <laughs> Best, you, best pub crawl in the world is in Dublin. Yeah, but I mean, there's more to it than fucking drinking. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Not right, yeah, of course. You have yeah. the storehouse, you have the Guinness. But, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, on that, can I ask, um, was there any specific performance that made you select Tom Von Lawler for Ebony Maw? Uh, no, I mean, no, we, he, he, uh, he auditioned for the part and his audition was incredible. And, you know, he's an amazing actor. We we're very fortunate to get him, but he... Uh, he actually created a character that uh, that uh, you know is getting a lot of attention. People are very excited by his portrayal of Ebony Maw. Mm. 
Any yeah. thoughts or? Yeah, no. He he. Look, we had a uh, Tom. He's he, Tom pro- portrays a character that's partially built through visual effects. Sure, like primarily yeah. built through visual effects work. So it was a very involved process working with him. It's like the actors almost uh, uh, operate as puppet masters. Yeah. they have to very much understand what the final version of the character is. We go through a long process of them getting comfortable with that. And yeah, Tom brought an amazing uh, performance to the character. Really, really skilled and uh, it really breathed pops, life into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, something that could kind of get lost in oh, CGI. Yeah. 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 Made it very special. Um, in terms of, I suppose, kind of films that have a similar tone, because I remember when I talked to Sebastian Stan about Civil War, he kind of mentioned Godfather Part Two, And, you know, obviously Winter Soldier had kind of three days at a condor. Yeah. Anything with this? Yeah, I mean, we always look for inspiration because we like mushing genres together. And I think, you know, when we talk about films that we're inspired by, it doesn't necessarily mean structurally. It just sure. means a spirit, a je ne sais quoi about that movie. Uh, two movies in particular that we, because we, we perceive this movie as sort of a smash and grab heist film, uh, as Thanos is collecting the stones, so Out of Sight and Two Days in the Valley, early 90s, uh, you know, uh, genre heist ensemble movies. Out of Sight, the yes. Steven Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh movie. Wow, yes. cool. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of, I suppose, service the various kind of characters and their own kind of unique visual palette. Like, as in, obviously, Black Panther had a real kind of <laughs> gorgeous color, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the you know all the other characters. I mean, how do you kind of do that, but then kind of maintain your own vision at the same time? Is it a case of just servicing everything one by one? Or yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, and figuring out how. I mean, look, we've always described like our our creative processes. Like, we think of ourselves as mad scientists, where you're like combining sort of disparate elements and sort of seeing how they combust together and work together. And that's part of the pro, pro, big part of the process of how we work as directors and storytellers and filmmakers. So um, it's hard to describe it because it's very yeah, complicated, sure you know, it, and we do take it one step at a time. But yeah, at the end of the day, what is what is very important to us is that we are giving the audience a very unique and singular experience in this film that is very much about this film. And while it's based on and built on all this emotional capital that they've formed with these characters and what they've come to know about them on a tonal level, stylistic level, etc. We are trying to bring it to life in a way that is unique and different. Any thoughts? Yeah. No, I think you nailed <laughs> it. Kind of got yeah. um, do you see yourselves kind of keeping on with kind of blockbusters like this? Do you want to go back to kind of smaller stuff? I think we, you know, throughout our careers, we've we've moved in between. Uh, mediums. We've done comedy, we've done drama, we've done big, we've done little. We started off as indie filmmakers, did a lot of television. Uh, and I think we're just going to continue to uh, diversify. You know, that's the most interesting thing to us. However, we do love these films. I grew up collecting comic books, started when I was eight, and that stories that have an emotional impact on you as a child tend to stay with you throughout your life. So uh, we understand the mythology behind these characters, the resonance, and they reach a very wide audience in a way that's important. And we think feel like we can get strong thematics in these movies, as a, you know, to incite conversation. Winter Soldier was about the dangers of the surveillance state, and mm. now we've got Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, and you know. Um, so I think uh, I think uh, it would be it's going to be important for us to continue to make these kinds of films. However, I do think that we'll be doing lots of stuff in between. You just mentioned there's something about kind of thematics and yeah. kind of having a real-world application. Do you think there's one in Infinity War? Uh, without question. I mean, I think that the the theme of that movie, and, and it's impossible for us to work on a script if we don't know what the theme is, so we tend to sit down and write the theme out as the first thing, uh, is how, how uh, what does it cost to be a hero in a complicated world? Uh, and does the, um, the value of doing what's right outweigh the cost of what it costs to do what's right? Or, you know, what... what, you know, what um, 
and in particular, I think Thanos demands a high cost. So I think the characters in this film have to decide, uh, you know, what uh, is doing what's right, worth uh, what it's going to cost them to do that. And so um, I think we're, you know, it's topical in that I think we live in a complicated world. And, sure, yeah. And I think uh, we're looking to people to make the right choices regardless of the, of the cost in this world. Yeah, and then kind of not actually understanding the ramifications of what that costs. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so we've got the revisit this week. Yes, the revisit. Which is Elliot Confidential. Which, by the way, many people have said is their favourite part of the show. So there you go. Zing! Yeah. Uh, yeah, people so like talking about old movies and nostalgic things. Who would have thunk it? Who would have <laughs> thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Okay, yeah, so this was suggested by uh, Andy McCarroll last week uh, when he wrote into us. So, Elliot Confidential. I always think you kind of think of this in the same line as... Uh, Chinatown at least I do anyway I mean I always think it's Chinatown and then it's LA Confidential I actually haven't seen Chinatown have you not? no I know that's really bad whoa I'm so bad for not seeing my old movies I feel like because because I did film studies I've seen like a lot of <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need I, I need to get a klaxon for any time you mention the fact you've done film studies I a degree film. I studied yeah, film on, what are you saying anyway? bachelor's and master's just oh, FYI Jesus <laughs> Go on, anyway, yeah. So why I won't, I won't ex- do a mic and ask where your degree is. I won't do that. And you know what? We've we've had a really <laughs> calm and like laid back show, haven't we? I, I was know. just thinking. I know. Do you want Do you want to know why that is? Because Mike's not fucking here. Okay, <laughs> he's not here winding me up. And like I have a I have a, a chair here, an empty chair that is representative of his absence and the fact that I'm not freaking out. So let's let's pause now and let's <laughs> return to our discussion before I get even more angrier. No, you're not angry. No, I'm not. You're I'm not, not angry. Um, but yeah, okay. Why? Have, okay, genuinely, why have you never seen Chinatown? I mean, it's just never got around um, to it. Yeah, I've just never got around to it. Um, I know, and I know it's meant to be amazing and Jack Nicholson, and that it's kind of like old school film. So I know that it's right I up would your alley. Like it? I know. I just yeah, it's really just haven't got around to it. There are there are. Uh, I have a list, and yeah. it is on the list. It is on the list. We were saying this all before we started recording. You were saying, like, God, I can't remember the last time I saw LA Confidential. Do you think, for you personally, I mean, yeah. do you think it's the kind of thing that it didn't have any resonance with you? No, it's more just that I saw it once yeah. a few years ago. And I'll tell you what I do remember of it, because maybe in talking about that, um, though these are kind of like my standout sure, moments yeah. from it. Yeah. Um, Kim Basinger yeah. was amazing. And what I loved about her performance as well was that she actually exuded, I'm going to talk about old Hollywood again. She sure. actually exuded like an old Hollywood actress in not just her looks, obviously they made her up to look exactly like that way and she talks about like the plastic surgery yeah, or whatever Lake, yeah. but even like her mannerisms mm. and the way she walked and the way she spoke she did just exude that classic Hollywood which I absolutely adored and I thought was just perfect it was no perfect um, and then I remember Guy Pierce was brilliant in yeah. it as well I really I really like him as an actor actually yeah I think, um, I th- I think even he- like even when like he was a stupid crazy maniacal villain in Iron Man 3 I thought he was I great thought no one else could have pulled that off except I know. him in yeah. fairness um, he's a great actor and Memento obviously is always like course, a go to yeah. for him um, yeah we don't talk about him enough give him more parts Hollywood yeah I think he's a really interesting actor yeah, yeah and like what he does with this as well is, is that like Oh, Count of Monte Cristo as well. Have to mention that. I love. Uh, we could uh, actually. Do you know what? One of these days, we're going to do a revisit on the Count of Monte Cristo, and I'm going to explain Ooh. why I love that film. So good. But in this, I think what's interesting, and I think this is what Guy Pearce does really well, because he kind of does it in um, uh, Iron Man Three, mm-hmm. is that you start off and he's this kind of weak. 
character. Yeah. He's kind of like very nebbish when you first when he's first introduced in the film. And then towards the end of the film, you see him and he's just like really angry, really powerful. Gritty. Yeah, gritty. Yeah. And, you know, like he loses the glasses and then he's shotgun Ed and all that kind of thing. Um, I The thing that always stands out to me about this film, about LA Confidential, is how good it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cinematographer in this is a guy called Dante Spinotti who did the cinematography for Heat. And apparently the, the direction he got for this uh, from Curtis Hansen, uh, he was told, look, I want you to make this as absolutely look as absolutely realistic as possible and then just put everything in the background. Mm-hmm. Just as in like don't have any kind of, you know, reference or acknowledgement of the fact of how authentic it is. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, then you're sort of like acknowledging the fact that this is not set in the time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like as in the idea of if it's in the background, it just looks like it was meant to be there all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think the screenplay by Brian Helgeland is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving aside, you know, the kind of the quotes, you know, like Rolo Tomasi and, you know, hold up your badge so they know you're a cop. Even leaving aside those lines, I think just the the way that the characters interact with each other is incredible. Like that scene after um, they rescue the, 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 the Puerto Rican uh, maid and, you know, they put her into the back of the ambulance and uh, uh, Guy Pierce is running out trying to get a, get a question out of her. And, you know, Russell Crowe just, like, pushes him away and he's all like, you know, why don't you just, you know, leave her be? You know, that kind of way. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anything out of her kind of thing. That kind of interaction is so well done because the camera just swoops in on the two of them yeah. and it brings you straight into the action. Um, another person who we don't talk about enough who was brilliant in this, James Cromwell. Who's he again? He was the farmer. From, no, he was, he was the farmer from Babe. Oh yeah, and he was. The, oh, he was the police this, chief. I do remember yeah, him. Yeah, there you oh, go. He's really good. He's so good. I do this. remember him. Yeah. Yes, and like, I love that performance, and I love the fact that I was like, oh my god, it's Farmer and Babe, because you don't see him in like anything these days. Yeah, well, like I mean, he's getting like arrested. a handful of things. Oh well, there is that. Yeah, there is that whole thing. Oh yeah. gosh, the, between him and fucking Kevin Spacey now. Well, no, no, like he no. James Cromwell got arrested because, like... No, 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 I just mean the fact that there are kind of these two controversial figures. Yeah, well, like, I mean, James... Well, okay, well, I would say James Cromwell is controversial for the right reasons, in the sense that, like, you know, he's gone out there doing environmental protection and Ah, stuff yeah, like that. no, that's true. You can't really... Kevin Spacey, on the other hand, is doing all sorts of... Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, that's something, actually, we were talking yeah. about um, just when we were talking about doing LA Confidential as a revisit is the present of Kevin Spacey going to kind of taint this movie yeah. for people. Do you think... I don't know. And it's funny, again, because, you know, I mentioned Chinatown. Of course, Chinatown had Roman Polanski, Mm. you know. And it's the kind of thing of, I always used to think of this before Kevin Spacey, all the shit about Kevin Spacey kicked off. I always thought, oh, Ellie Confidential is Chinatown without the kind of emotional, without the guilt. You know, that kind of way. As in, when you're watching Chinatown, oh, it's so good. And you're like, oh, shit, Roman Polanski directed this. And you're kind of like, ugh, I don't know if I can enjoy this as much as I can. Yeah. Because it was directed by Roman Polanski. But then when you watch Ellie Confidential... Up until the whole stuff about Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. came out, you're like, "Oh, I can totally enjoy this. This is yeah. this. There's no guilt in this." And now, yeah. like when Kevin Spacey, you see him, it's like, "Oh God." Um, I don't think it'll be tainted. No, yeah. I don't think it'll be tainted. I do think though you that can kind of distantiate yourself. I yeah, suppose. Yeah, you yeah. can. Um, but at the same time, and again, this is another thing of why I love this film so much was that you know we were talking about Avengers: Infinity War and how 
you know, balancing an ensemble cast. Yes. In this, mm-hmm. I think it's really well balanced. I think, you know, Kevin Spacey, he turns up in it every now and then, but he's not the central character any more than Russell Crowe or Guy Pearce is. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of, or even Kim, Kim Basinger as well. Yeah. She's not the central character. None of them are. Yeah. Even Danny DeVito. They're just kind of, you know, it's a saga. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. way you kind of weave in and out of their stories. Some intertwine, yeah. some don't, and it doesn't really matter. I love the poster design even for it. So like with good. Kim Basinger at the front and they're kind of like scattered yeah. in the background. I suppose that's kind of a reference to the whole ensemble thing. But yeah, it just it just looks really cool yeah. you know doesn't it I love I, it's, it's one of those films that like it's nearly three hours long mm. and I'm surprised you only watched it once because I think it's one of those films that you if it ne- was that long maybe that's why no 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 but I mean no it, I did enjoy it yeah. I just haven't got around to watch yeah, it again yeah, you know yeah. what I mean I have so many other classics I haven't seen once that I have to get around to there you go what yeah. once the no I, that I haven't seen oh sorry once, right 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 such as Chinatown as we previously discussed so I yes. always I always love it when we get for suggestions for the revisit movies that I haven't seen <laughs> such as American Psycho because I'm like I need to I'll be made back. to watch these movies yeah so. I don't think it's I don't think LA Confidential is on Netflix I don't think but um no I'll, fi- I'll find it. I'll find it yeah no but I'll like, probably buy them on DVD oh no yeah but the blu-ray <laughs> the blu-ray is, is, is brilliant oh, okay. um no yeah I think it is one of those films that definitely benefits from re-watching mm-hmm. you know that kind of way when you watch it because it's so intricate and yeah. so labyrinthine that like you need a second view and just to kind of understand what's happening yeah yeah and you, you can watch it the first time true and not really kind of get it but you can just enjoy being in that world and how kind of slick and cool it is yeah. and all that um, but yeah, I think it's one of those films that you can watch it three, four times and you'll find something new in it every time and something to enjoy. Like I've seen it about like, fucking nine or ten times. I love it. Like It's mm. such a good film. Well, I think you've sold it to me watching it a second time. Definitely. And watch <laughs> Chinatown as well while you're at it. Um, okay, so I guess that's it for this week's show. Um, we'll be back next week with Mike. He'll probably listen to this. I bet you he's going to listen to this in Lanzarote and then start texting. He's like, oh, what are you doing saying that for? Huh? Um, yeah, so yeah, if you want to uh, message us in for uh, Mailbag next week, it's brian at entertainment.ie. Tweet us. If you like the show, like and subscribe. If you like this show, especially because Mike wasn't here and we were like really <laughs> calm and collected. Let us know in the comments. Especially let us know about and that. And tweet it. And tweeted us as well, yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. Are you going to shoot me? Or arrest me. Good lad. Always the politician. Let me do the talking. After I've done, that'll make you chief of detectives. Hold up your badge so they'll know you're a policeman.